he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they'd cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I wonder if you can hear it. I wonder if you can hear that on the streets of Jerusalem, they're shouting. On the streets of Jerusalem, they are declaring, they are shouting as Jesus rides in on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They're shouting, they're shouting. I wonder when the last time you shouted was. Don't answer. Some of you don't answer. I know the answer from some of you. When was the last time you shouted? If I could walk through the streets of your heart, would I hear shouting? Now, I get that we're not all shouty people. Okay, I get that some of us are more shouty than others. That's fine. I'm not talking about shouty, shouty, loud shouty. I'm talking about what's happening in your heart. What does your heart shout about? What is it that causes your heart to declare loudly, yes, that's good? What makes your heart shout? Now, I think if we're going to understand this passage in Mark's gospel, we need to understand a whole bunch of Old Testament stuff that comes before this. But we're going to narrow in a bit. We're going to do quite a lot of work this afternoon. Okay, We're going to push. We're going to work hard. You know, We're not in kindergarten. We're kindergarten. What's that? Play school. American for a second. Love Americans. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> You know, we, we want to work hard. We want to really stretch our brains. But we're going to start in Psalm 118. So, so flick to Psalm 118. Now, I think this is the key passage for understanding um, our, Mark chapter 11. In fact, I'm going to make a slightly bolder claim. I think this is the key passage for understanding all of the next bit of Mark. Because Mark keeps quoting it. This was clearly in Mark's head as he was writing. Let me, let me pick it up from verse um, 15. Um, basically, the, Psalm 118, uh, and we haven't got loads of time to do this, so let's try and stick with this. Basically, there's, there's a couple of characters. There's an individual who keeps saying stuff like, I did this, and I was having a hard time, and I cried out, and I did this, and I did this, and then God rescued me. And then there's this crowd who kind of seem to respond to the individual. So let me pick it up from verse 15, see if you can pick up some of this. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Now, the problem is, what you miss is that that is Hosanna. That's the word there. Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He's made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. Now look, don't worry about all the detail. But try and pick up what's happening. There's this individual who says, I was suffering, I was struggling, but I have been vindicated. I've had a triumph. And then you get this crap, and he's going, he's going, open the way, open the gates, open the gates. I'm coming, I'm coming. And the people over here are going, yay, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right? That's what's happening in that psalm. And that's what Mark picks up here. Now, let's, let's just do a, a bit of basic... Um, victory parade uh, theory. Um, I think we know how victory parades work. Most of us have seen a victory parade in our lives. If you haven't, then next week in Manchester, it's a long way to go. Manchester. Why am I not doing it in London? Anyway, the Olympians are having their victory parade in, in two weeks' time. Are they? Oh, terrific. There we go. Very wise. So the victory parade... This is how victory parade works, whether it's Leicester City last year winning the premiership and getting an open-top bus and riding through Leicester, or whether it's the Olympians riding through, or whether it's a politician winning a thing and then having a victory party. This is how it works, okay? What comes first? The victory comes before the parade. You've got to see that, right? That, that's really important. If Leicester City, get this, if Leicester City had hired a... a bus just before the premiership season started last year and had gone through the streets of Leicester going, whoa, look at us, we're champions. That would have been really weird. Really weird. Because you don't celebrate until the victory's been done. Except for Jesus. And this is what has really gripped me this week. This will all, I hope this will all fit together in a second. Jesus has his victory parade before he wins his victory. How cool is this, right? Stick, stick with this. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, that is the moment of vindication. That is the moment of the triumph of the one, remember Psalm 118, the suffering one who's been vindicated, the one who's been rescued, the one who's won the victory, the one who's triumphant. The songs of praise and victory, joy and victory, triumph. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, it's his triumph parade. But he hasn't yet had his victory. This is weird. Okay, now you've got to, you see, Mark is deliberately putting this together. For the last six weeks, if you've been here every single Sunday... I have said every Sunday, when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, what's going to happen to him? He's going to suffer and die, then be raised. Every Sunday. Same thing. Suffer and die, then raised. Suffer and die, then raised. The first thing that happens when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem is the victory parade. That's odd. Because it seems to be in the wrong order. No, no, we thought when you got to Jerusalem there was going to be suffering and death. And yet there's a donkey and like people shouting Hosanna and woo, happiness. Shouts of joy and victory. What are, what's going on? Well, what is going on is this. 
Jesus riding into Jerusalem is so, his victory is so certain that this is the moment that he gets his parade. And I want to, I want to describe this, this, this riding into Jerusalem in two ways. I want to suggest it is climactic and it is prophetic. All right, now, if, you, if, you, if you've completely lost the plot at this point, don't, try to stick with it, okay? It's, it's, I know it's, right, okay. Climactic and prophetic, right? This one event, Jesus riding on a colt, is climactic. What I mean is that it is the climax of all that God has been promising. There's all these themes that come together in this moment. So much stuff, right? Look, all the pages of this, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, again and again and again, are promising this, are promising this, are promising this. And Jesus rides here, and it's like the great climax of all that God has promised. Let me, let me just show that in a couple of ways. There's so many, and we're going to pick up a lot of this. And this is background that you're going to need for the next few weeks. In chapter 11, verse 1, look at it again. As they approached Jerusalem. Right, bang, stop there. Jerusalem. What do we know about Jerusalem? What is Jerusalem all about? Well, Jerusalem is the capital city of the nation of Israel. Who are Israel? Israel are the people that God chose for himself. And this nation that God is building, God is building a nation called Israel from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Judah, all the way through. There's this fantastic nation that God is building. And then he gives them this city, Jerusalem. And do you know how Jerusalem is described in Psalm 48? It says this, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Jerusalem, the city of our God, the holy place, the joy of the whole earth. Jerusalem is the joy of the whole earth. The whole hope of all of the earth rests on this city, Jerusalem. And here's Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Do you see how it's a climax? A climax to all that God has said about Jerusalem. Bang, here's Jerusalem. It's climactic. Or what about the theme of uh, David? Okay, let's, take, let's take the theme of David. Turn to Genesis 49. Let's do a little bit of wandering around because it helps us to stay awake. Uh, go to Genesis 49. So the crowds cry out, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Well, what's that about? Well, have a look at uh, Genesis 49, verse 8. Now, this is a puzzling little uh, thing where Jacob, who had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Naphtali, Iscah, Ashdan, Zabin, Gad, Benjamin, Joseph, Judah, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Those 12 tribes, Jacob is blessing. And he says this to Judah, verse 8. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. You're going to be the one who triumphs, right? Judah, this tribe of Judah, is going to be the one who has victory. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter, that's, that's like the, the rule. 
will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. How will we spot him? He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. And so here is this weird promise to this tribe of Judah that there's going to be one who comes out of this tribe, just one, and there's going to be something about a cult and the cult being tied, and there's going to be something about this one who is going to reign forever and ever and ever. So we better watch the tribe of Judah. Let's see what happens to the tribe of Judah. Here it comes, the tribe of Judah. Judah has some son, a son, a son, a son, a son. Until eventually we get to David, right? King David was from the tribe of Judah. What do we know about King David? Well, King David was pretty cool on the whole having victories thing. And in fact, right, come forward with me to 1 Samuel 18. Come on, I'll give you a page number when I get there. Uh, ooh, someone else beat me to it. Uh, 290. 1 Samuel 18. Okay, we're piecing all this stuff together. Okay, we're seeing how the riding of Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey is climactic. Jerusalem, the hope of the world. Here we go. Uh, this theme of David. Have a look. David has just killed a giant called Goliath. He saved God's people. There's massive victory and here it comes have a look at verse um, 6 when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with tambourines and lyres as they danced they sang Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands there's the victory parade right victory follows the parade follows the victory here is this great theme of David. And then David has a promise from God in 2 Samuel 7 that there will always be someone from his line who sits on the throne. There'll always be a king from David's family. And so now all of God's people are waiting. Where's the son of David? Where's the son of David? Where's the son of David? Bang, Jesus comes riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Zechariah 9 verse 9 says, see your king comes to you. Gentle and riding on a donkey. It's the king. The king who God promised back to Judah, to David. Here he is, the king. The king who's come to win the victory. You've got to see this. The hope of the world is Jerusalem. The hope of the world is King David. All of it lands here. It's a climactic moment. And so as Jesus rides into Jerusalem... He's very intentional. Have you noticed how intentional he is? Come back to Mark 11. Let's look down. Jesus sends two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Jesus is setting all of this up. He's choreographing all of it. He's saying to the world, this is who I am. I've come to Jerusalem as the king. And they go and they find a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They said, Jesus needs it, and the people let them go. 
They see Jesus is deliberately saying, I've come to fulfill all these themes. It's all about me. It all finds its fulfillment. It's a climactic moment. The climax of all of God's promises here in this man. It's so cool. And Jesus, so far in Mark's gospel, he has kept himself hidden. So far in Mark's gospel, he's told people, don't tell anyone who I am. Shh. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Suddenly here, it's all on public display. Jesus says, now is the moment. And Jesus declares himself to be the king. But we still don't quite understand why did it have to come before the death and resurrection, the cross, the suffering? Why the victory parade before the suffering? Okay, that's because... What is going on here is not just climactic. It isn't just the climax of all of God's promises. It is prophetic. It is pointing forwards. It is showing something greater. It is showing what is coming. In other words, this is, this is the point. As you read the rest of Mark's gospel, as you read about how he is rejected, how he's spat on, how he's punched, how he's how he suffers and dies. All the time you say, but he's already had his victory parade. I know the victory's coming. I know the victory's coming. I know the victory's coming. It's never in doubt. Because this is pointing forwards. It's prophetic. It's pointing forwards to the great hope beyond the suffering. It's pointing forwards to that day when Jesus will have a greater victory parade. When Jesus will be raised from the dead and he will ascend into heaven and he will be worshipped by all of heaven. And it points forward. And we could trace those themes forward. Remember Jerusalem? Do you know what the hope of the world is? Do you know where our world is heading? Our world is heading to a new Jerusalem, a new city. In Revelation 21 and 22, it's clearly stated that our hope is Jerusalem, the hope of the world. Not now the physical city on earth, but the new Jerusalem, the city which God is building through his son Jesus. Now, this is big stuff, okay? And there may be some of us and we think, I haven't got a clue what he's talking about. Just... It's good. Very, very good. It's a new Jerusalem where there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. It's a new Jerusalem where there is only joy and hope. That's, that's where this is heading. And take the theme of David. Take the theme of David through. Come to Revelation 5 because you ought to see this. Revelation chapter 5. It's on page 1,236. If ever there's a difficult book to dip into, it's this one. (laughs) So apologies for the dipping in. Just go for the obvious thing, right? Um, Have a look how Jesus is described. In verse 4 it says this, I, that's a man called John, wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Uh, That basically just means no one is worthy to uh, be the victorious one, to have the triumph. Have a look at uh, verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Here it is. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has 
triumphed. The triumph of Jesus. And this riding into Jerusalem on a donkey all those hundreds of years ago, it was prophetic. It was saying, here is the king. The one that was promised to Judah thousands of years ago. He's triumphed. And that is why Jesus, in this moment, this climactic moment, this prophetic moment, this moment that looks both ways, deliberately declares himself to be the king who triumphs. And the crowd speak better than they know. The crowd shout out, Hosanna! Here's the one who saves. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's all about him. Remember Psalm 118, yeah? All the crowd are going, it's him, it's him, it's him. Blessed is he, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's all about this one, because he's the one who's bringing the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It makes them shout for joy. Their shouting for joy is because of the triumph of King Jesus. A triumph which has not yet been won, but is so certain that they can declare it before it happens. That makes them shout for joy. Okay, now, with all of that stuff in our heads, here's my question as we we come to land. Um, What makes your heart shout? Because I want to try and show you now that just like in Psalm 118, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. When you get clear who Jesus is, that becomes a resounding shout of joy in your heart. Now I get that these are difficult things. To talk about joy can be really hard in this world, right? And some of us may say, I I just can't shout for joy at the moment because our joy is all about our circumstances. It's all about how things are going in our life. It's all about how much money I've got in the bank or how good my relationships are or how well the degree is going. It's all about the things of this world. But actually the people's joy in Mark 11 is in this king. And that's why I put up on the screen that our deepest joy is to be found in the triumph of King Jesus. And I want to say to you that sometimes our shouts of praise are shouted through tears. That sometimes we're really suffering. And yet when we understand that this event was both climactic and prophetic, that helps us to understand how we praise God. Our praise, our shouting for joy becomes climactic. It becomes, look at what he's done. We shout for joy because it's a climax of all that God has done. But our shouting for joy is prophetic. It points forwards to something better than we really even know now. In 
Revelation 7, there is one of the most beautiful pictures in the whole Bible. And in Revelation 7, it says that Jesus is the sitting on his throne. And it says before him, there was a vast multitude that no one could count from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. Do you know what they're holding? They're holding branches. They're holding branches, just like the people on the streets of Jerusalem. And they're shouting, salvation belongs to our God. Hosanna, our God reigns. Our God rules. Our God is the triumphant one. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's triumphed. And if we today are those who are trusting Jesus as our king, then one day you will be part of that crowd. Standing before the king, celebrating him. So get this, right? As we sing here this afternoon, as we shout for joy this afternoon, however painful it is and however pathetic we do it, and however small it might be, it speaks beyond today. It points us forward. It is prophetic of a day when we will perfectly shout for joy before the throne. When we'll see our king face to face and we will worship him and we will love him. I don't, you know, I don't know if you noticed it. Well, you won't have noticed this because you didn't know to look for it. Every song we've sung this afternoon has talked about triumph. Turning tragedy to triumph. How does that happen? How is it that someone can be in the midst of the most horrific agony and yet still shout for joy? It happens because we have a king. And you have to understand that the victory parade is so certain that it comes before the victory itself. And when we, when we look at Jesus and we think of his death on the cross, when we see him in the agony and the suffering and the pain of the cross, he knows that victory is coming. And I, I, that's what I want to tell you this afternoon. I want to tell you that you can celebrate today, even though it feels so hard and rubbish. Because victory is coming. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. And one day you will find yourself in the new Jerusalem. The hope of the whole world. So let me come back to that question that we started with. If I could walk the streets of your heart this afternoon... Is there shouts of joy? Do you feel a a thrill and excitement? Before I preached this sermon, I was praying that that was what God would do, that he would give us joy. Oh, sometimes we're so miserable. You know, sometimes we settle. Not all of us. (laughs) I know my tendency is to settle for a kind of miserable Christianity that goes, "Mm, I don't really feel that excited, but you know. I'll go to church. That's rubbish. We're not supposed to be miserable Christians. We're supposed to be joyful Christians. Joyful because our king has triumphed. 
Joyful is not the same as happy. Joyful is not the same as, oh, life's... Joyful is with tears and pain and agony, but joyful saying, but I've got a king and he's triumphed. And we need to pursue and pray and ask that God would help us to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. We're going to pray together. I I get that this is harder for some of us than for others. And we're not all shouty, shouty people. And it may be that some of us, our hearts just aren't gripped by this at all. We're not bothered. We're not moved at all by it. And you're more... Your heart is captivated by other things. Well, I want to tell you, this is the only hope in the world. This king. The king of Jerusalem is the only hope of the world. So we're going to pray together. And we're going to put our confidence again in this Jesus who suffered and is victorious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those words in Psalm 118 that shouts of joy resound in the tents of the righteous. And we pray that in this tent, this church, shouts of joy would resound. On Borough High Street, shouts of joy and victory would resound. That we would delight in the triumph of our King. Even when we feel so weak, even when we're carrying our cross, we're suffering, we're struggling and Life is hard. We pray that we might still put our confidence in the triumph of our King. Father, thank you that Jesus has triumphed. Please help us to put all our confidence in him. Amen. Well, we're going to celebrate together. This is better than Leicester winning the premiership, right? And they were pretty...